0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show at EPL Index on Twitter um, and you can follow me on my personal Twitter at underscore James Vickers.
1: Hello, I'm Simeon Pickup. I am the editor of the Tile West End. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Box Royal and you can read the Tile West End um, on the website. It's very good.
2: Hi, I'm Andy Buckley-Taylor, representing Derby County on the podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Taylor 64 and I also write a blog for the uh, Derbyshire Times group of newspapers.
0: Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. It's nice to actually get back to championship football after the international break. It's the second one of the season now, so, you know... Looking forward to getting back in talking about our teams. Um, we'll start with you first, Simeon. Tricky game on paper going away to Leeds. Um, sort of talk us through it and sort of any news that came out of Reading over the international break.
1: Yeah, it was a really good game for us. Um, we'd had a pretty uh, poor run of form going into the international break. I think we'd only drawn one of the three going into it. We were struggling for goals. We were struggling to defend as well. Um, but over the international break, Stan must have taken things back to basics. We never played four four two under him at all uh, before the Leeds game, but that's what he we went for up at Elland Road, and it worked really well. A much um, uh, simpler formation, much simpler setup, um, very compact behind the ball. That kind of two banks of four to really make it hard for Leeds to attack. And then going forward, we were much more counter-attacking. There's much more of a typical kind of traditional. Reading performance rather than a possession-based kind of tactics that Stan usually likes. And it worked really well. Um, Negated leads very well, uh, restricted them to not particularly good chances. And on the day, we deserved to win. Um, Had some good chances ourselves and got lucky with a very poor penalty from Pablo Hernandez right in uh, injury time. But on the whole, we deserved to get the three points. I'm delighted by it.
0: Yeah, I sort of watched the highlights back on the, the Football League show and it seemed to me that you sort of, in a way, going back to like the Reading of last season, sort of making it difficult for teams and then with the penalty save at the end as well, you sort of had that look, which you sort of haven't really been getting this season. Is that sort of a, a fair reflection of how the game was?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, in terms of last season, there were only a few games when we were um, good at going away and uh, keeping clean sheet against... Um, some of the best sides in the league. I think it only really happened once with a 2-0 win-up at Sheffield Wednesday. But it was certainly reminiscent of that dogged fighting spirit that we saw last season and hadn't seen this season. Um, So it's great to see that Stam's got a slightly different formula to um, get us through those tough games. Which, And to be honest, we weren't really expecting anything from the trip to Leeds. We were just hoping to maybe get a point. So to come away with not only a a win but a clean sheet as well is a massive boost going on for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, sort of uh, moving on to Derby now, Andy. Obviously, you didn't play Saturday but had the game yesterday um, against Nottingham Forest, the Brian Clough Trophy. Sort of talk us through the game and and what were your thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, I'm happy now that that win means we leapfrog above them in the table uh, with the game in hand and hopefully now uh, it gives us a springboard to uh, get going for the season. If we win our game in hand, and I don't like looking at things like that because points on the board better, but uh, the game in hand, which was the, uh, the spoon game against uh, Ipswich, if we win that, we're one point out of the top six. So,
0: can't grumble too much. Yeah, you mentioned there about sort of that win, hopefully giving you a springboard now to push on. Obviously, it's been a tricky start to the season, and I think before yesterday, I think you'd drawn your last three league games. Is that sort of what was needed in the sense of sort of kicking on now? Big derby win to sort of get the momentum rolling and, and mount a push for the playoffs.
2: Yes, yes, it is. I mean, we we've we started pretty slow. We've been hit and miss. Uh, A couple of very good results. Preston was one, and also the Hull City one. But we've had some very poor ones, like away at Sheffield United and away at Bristol City. Um, I think the introduction of Joe Ledley into the midfield um, has helped um, stabilise the team a bit. But uh, yesterday, um, when, when you beat your biggest rivals... You know, what What better way than to, uh, you know, look forward to the uh,
0: games coming up? Yeah, definitely. And I can see you sort of really starting to kick on now. And uh, I do think you'll be in and around the playoffs come the end of the season. So sort of looking forward to see how you progress on now. Um, but sort of moving on to Preston, it was a trip down to the capital for us to Fulham. Over the last couple of years, it's not been sort of the happiest place for us to go. Uh, Fulham and the capital in general, we uh, never really seemed to get any decent results there. And at half-time on Saturday, I thought that look was uh, starting to change. We were 2-0 up, completely battered Fulham in the first half. Jordan Hugill and Shawnee Maguire were, were absolutely fantastic. Maguire in particular getting a goal and an assist in the first 25 minutes. And then we get to the uh, the half-hour mark, and he comes off with what looks like a hamstring injury, and, and the game sort of really changed from there on out. Um, we kind of, we brought on Josh Harrop, who, they're both forward players, but not able to do the same job. Harrop isn't blessed with that sort of lightning quick pace that Maguire is, and it, it did, did affect us going forward. We seem to run out of ideas, really, which is a little bit of a concern, but we've been scoring goals sort of quite easily over the last few weeks so unless that trend carries on over the next few games there's not too much to worry about but going into the second half obviously Maguire's gone off injured Ben Pearson uh not injured but it's his first game back so he got subbed off as well and after that we kind of sort of rolled over and let them sort of come on to us really they uh they got back into it with a penalty with about 15 minutes to go. And then with virtually the last kick of the game, the the main talking point where, and it was horrible, I was saying to uh, the guys off sort of recording, sat at completely the opposite end to the um, sort of where it happened. You you can see exactly what's coming. It's a a long ball really to nothing that Fulham's, I think centre-back had uh, hit upfield, was barely getting into the area and Chris Maxwell for you know whatever reason decides that he's going to come and try and claim it gets there and then drops it and uh, Fulham's right back I think it was Adoy Uh, scores a tap in with virtually the last kick of the game there was barely any time to uh, kick off again afterwards which you know was a real sucker punch for us because of how well we played in the first half but as I said on uh, Russ's Fulham podcast who is on here sometimes on on the, the Friday that you know, I would have taken a point if you'd have offered it to me before the game. So I can't be too downbeat although, you know, it's it's two points dropped rather than a point gained. Um, even though it is a difficult place to go fulham. Um, but, you know, we we played well and there's positive signs to take from the game. Can't really sort of get on Maxwell's back too much because he's been absolutely fantastic for us this season and last and it's that style of play and his his sort of fearlessness almost to come and claim the ball and, and dictate his box that, you know, over the course of the season will win us more points than it costs us. So sort of no arguments on my end really, although he should have, you know, getting two hands on it rather unchallenged should have definitely held on to it. And, you know, I'd be sort of singing his praises now for uh, for what, like an amazing sort of bit of goalkeeping to come out and claim the ball in the last minute. But you know it wasn't to be, and a point away at Fulham is still a good point. We're still in the playoffs. There was sort of a few favourable results with other teams in the playoffs, so we we ended up, I think, moving up a place, which you know is good for us. We're uh, we still only lost one league game all season, and and it's still better than I thought we would have done sort of at this stage when asked at the start of the season. So need to be careful not to be too downbeat by it, but you know that just shows really how far we've come under Alex Neal so far this season. Um, but I've sort of touched on it with Maxwell and Maguire a little bit. I just wanted to ask the two of you, sort of, for your team's point of views, who impressed and disappointed for you this weekend? Uh, start with you first on this one, Simeon, although I'd imagine it'll be hard for you to choose someone who disappointed with sort of a fantastic win.
1: Um, in terms of impressed, I'd have to say Leandro Bacuna. actually, who um, was a bit of a utility man in his days at Villa, um, although he usually impresses in centre of midfield. Um, but what we did on Saturday was to bring him in at right-back because we're missing left-backs at the moment, so we shifted Gunter over to the left um, and brought Bakuna in at right-back. It's not really a position that he's played for us yet, but he did very well in it, and I think he got into the AFL Team of the Week, um, put in a fantastic challenge in the second half to deny what would have been a sure sure goal from one of the lead strikers, so I'm very impressed with him. Um there's not re- as you say, there's not really anyone that I can pick out um, for a negative, to be honest. At um, An absolute push, I might say Sonny Aluko, uh, who didn't have a bad game. But um, for someone who came in for a lot of money in the summer, we haven't really seen consistently creative performances from him. Uh, he got a couple of assists before the international break, but there's never really been any game where he's... Uh, um stood out in terms of making a lot of chances and it was the same thing on um saturday up at leeds luckily it uh wasn't a problem although i'm probably being quite harsh on him so uh uh sorry sonny
0: yeah and the same question to you really andy and again you know winning the derby game i'd I'd imagine you'll be sort of pushed for people who disappointed
2: yeah to, to be quite honest um I couldn't pick out a player who disappointed me um, from yesterday. I think the whole team uh, took to the task well, and uh, they, all, they all played well. Um, when you when you're looking about who who shone, uh, Tom Lawrence had a good game. Um, Matty Vidra, obviously, he didn't stop running the whole of the game. Uh, David Nugent also had a good game. But for me, the player that's Sean is a player who, for quite a while now, he's been on the receiving end from the, the Boo Boys. And uh, he came into the game yesterday, didn't stop, didn't stop running, um, played really well. And it, it, it's really uh, great to say that uh, Johnny Russell looks like the player of two, two, two seasons ago. Um, he was obviously fired up for the game. Um, Like I said, he ran ran his legs off. He he was there all over the pitch. Uh, He was playing down the the right wing as opposed to Tom Lawrence was playing down the left. Um, Gave us some good options, put some good passes in. And uh, I'm delighted that, uh, you know, he's found some form. And, uh, yeah, nobody would have enjoyed that victory uh, yesterday more than uh, Johnny Russell. He was one of the heroes from a few years ago uh, when we beat them 5-0. And uh, I'm absolutely
0: delighted to see Johnny um, hit form again. Yeah, and sort of with Preston, I've already sort of touched on it, but Maguire stood out for me again. He's been fantastic since he's come in, and it's... Sort of quite gutting that he has got this hamstring injury now. Um, I think it is a combination of him coming off the back of a a long sort of season in the League of Ireland, which obviously he's played predominantly sort of over the summer. So he hasn't really, you know, had an off-season. He's come straight in and then straight away he's found himself in the Ireland squad as well, playing international football. So it was kind of coming, um, although you never want to... Sort of wish an injury on anyone. I do think it might be a blessing in disguise for him. You know, a couple of weeks off. We've got players who can come in and and step in uh, in the attacking areas. It's quite an sort of an area of the pitch that we are quite blessed in at the moment. And I do think the uh, the couple of weeks off, you know, just to get his feet up and recharge the batteries more than anything, will probably do him sort of a lot of good in the long run because the championship season, sort of as we all know, is is a long season and. Especially coming now over the winter months, it's going to be crucial sort of squad rotation and and keeping players fresh and fit. So uh, while it is gutting to lose him, especially with Wolves away next weekend, we could have got really done with him there. Um, I do think it will be a blessing in disguise, and once he comes back, he'll be eager to impress again, and and that can only benefit the team. Um, as far as disappointments, obviously, sort of the easy one to go with is Maxwell, but. I've you know I've said sort of my piece on him already I think given that, that he did drop that it's it's wrong to sort of criticize him too harshly um but there were sort of other players in the game Hugh Gill and even though Hugh Gill scored he missed a couple of sitters that you'd expect him to score Alan Brown missed a one on one and and if either of them took any of those chances away that sort of Maxwell drop at the end doesn't matter as much so it's it's hard to criticize Maxwell obviously the fingers will be pointed at him, but I think he'll recover from that. And you know, he's a fantastic keeper, and I, uh, I, I wouldn't change him or sort of have him any other way. He's one of those keepers who you know what you get with him. He does have a mistake in him, but over the course of the season, that style of play is going to win you. Sort of as I said earlier, more points than it'll lose you. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch on. Uh, obviously, it's been highlighted by Leeds over sort of the last week or so. I think probably about two or three weeks ago before the international break, we were singing their praises saying, you know, they're they're top of the table, look the team to beat and I think it's a sign of how tight the division is this season that you know, one or two bad results and they now find themselves in sixth, sort of barely inside the playoffs Um, Since the start of the season, obviously we've had time to sort of assess most teams now and the table's starting to take shape Is there anyone in particular that's surprised you sort of in a positive way or, or negatively where you thought their position would be different to what it is now. Um I'll start with you first on this, Simeon. Is there any sort of team that's taken you by surprise so far this season?
1: Um, I think everyone in the top six, to be honest. Um, if you'd asked me um, before the start of the season if the likes of Cardiff, Sheffield United, um, Bristol City would be in the top six, I wouldn't have believed you, to be honest. Um, and I think it continues last season's trend of teams who... People didn't really expect to be doing very well, overachieving and doing really well. You had uh, likes of Reading, Fulham, and Huddersfield doing really well last season against expectations, and it's carrying on this season. Um, a bit of a bit of a left field one here. I'm also a bit surprised that Wolves are doing so well, actually, and that seems a bit of a an odd comment considering how much they've spent. But I think considering how much new Um, talent they brought from outside the UK to get it all gelled so quickly and get it embedded really well into an effective team. That has surprised me. I thought they might um, struggle at least in the first few weeks just as they try to get it all together. But they've been absolutely flying. And another really good result for them on uh, Saturday over um, Aston Villa um, has only pushed that even more for me.
0: Yeah, the same question to you, Andy. Um, is there any team that, particularly or negatively, so far this season?
2: Well, I mean, I I tip Wolves to be up or there or thereabouts um, as the season kicked off, and in Cardiff City doesn't surprise me because we know we know uh, Neil Warnock's record in the, in this division. Um, Sheffield United being up there has surprised me. And uh, I think uh, a few weeks ago, when we were looking at to the season ahead, um, the the guys on the show were expecting them to be sort of like just below mid-table, but uh, not under any threat of relegation. They've done tremendously well. Um, also, Bristol City. Uh, Lee Johnson, last season, um, was under a bit of pressure. Some of his uh, better players were, were sold. Um, obviously, Tammy Abraham hasn't come back again on loan. And you've got to take your hat off to them. And uh, we with, with due respect, I didn't expect to see Preston North Ends up towards the top there. Um, it was difficult to judge Alex Neal. He took Norwich up and they came down and they didn't quite get going last season to uh, mount uh, a a serious uh, promotion challenge. And uh, he's gone over to Preston and he's done a fantastic job there. And uh, I'd I'd actually say it's nice to see some of these clubs up there. You know, it's not the clubs that uh, are just uh, trying to buy the way to uh, promotion. I know Wolves have spent a lot of money, but um, Aston Villa spent a lot and they're still... Only just like hovering below the uh, the playoff zone, so uh, I, I think Wolves will stay up there. Um, the other the other teams, who knows? I mean, it's a funny old division, isn't it? I mean, Cardiff City were unbeatable a few weeks ago. We 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 nearly snatched a win there, and then Birmingham City who couldn't buy a win a few weeks ago under Harry Redknapp. Um, uh, Did them on Friday night. So uh, it's uh, certainly very uh, unpredictable, but you know, once again, very interesting, and what a good division it is.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, you both sort of touched on it there, which actually, sort of I didn't plan it that way, but takes me quite nicely into sort of the next topic and... It's sort of the, the Wolves situation and obviously we've both spoke about are they sort of top of the table at the moment and I wanted to sort of touch on um sort of the, the agent it seems who, you know, is sort of heavily involved at Wolves, um Mendez, um, George Mendez, sort of to come by his first name. I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on on how sort of the clubs run, obviously when they had their old sort of chairman in place, Jez Moxie, um, it was sort of quite a well-run club, you know, didn't spend that much money compared to now. And I just wanted to get your thoughts really on how sort of their sort of style of running a football club has sort of impacted them. Um, obviously they've brought in a lot of new players and it seems that George Mendes is sort of central to all of that. Um, start with you first, Simeon on this. Just wanted to get your thoughts on sort of how Wolves seem to be run these days
1: um i haven't been following it too closely but just um looking at it on a um on a basic level just spending so much money in such a short amount of time is a very uh, it's a very unreliable way to go about building up your football club um it's very easy to spend all that money and um bring in some really good players but uh, if they're coming in from really big clubs Um, I think coming in from some big clubs in Portugal, if I remember right. Um, If success starts to sort of ebb away from Wolves, everything can start uh, tumbling down. If they, say, have a really bad couple of months, are they really going to be able to motivate those players and get them up for a a fight? I think a much better way of going about um, trying to get a team promoted in the long term is to build up the club behind the scenes, things like uh, bringing through young talent, bringing through um, people from the lower divisions who really want to fight for the club, who really see their long-term future with the club. What I'm worried about with Wolves is that they're spending all this money on players who might not want to play for the club if success starts um, starts to drop away.
0: Yeah, the same to you, Andy. Really. Um, obviously, he's he's come in and he's sort of said himself he's responsible for most of the big deals that happen, sort of Portuguese wise, and that's really evident by sort of the players that Wolves have brought in. Just wanted to get your thoughts and sort of if that'd be something that you'd welcome at, say, Derby, for example.
2: Yeah, well, uh, well, over at Derby, um, until earlier on this year, you'd have known Sam Rush was our chief executive. He had previously worked for the Bosman Group. Which uh, is one of the biggest sports agencies in the world. They don't just um, deal with footballers; they deal with NFL players, basketball players, etc. And a, a, a lot of Derby's players, um, their agents, came from the Wasserman Group. And uh, also, there's a there's a coach at Derby, uh, former academy player Ayrton Wassel, whose father. Is in charge of Derby's Academy. Darren Russell, um, was, um was or is employed as a coach by the club, but he's also um, employed as a scout by the Wasserman Group. And I, 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 I do think there is a conflict of interest here. Uh, I don't think agents should be anywhere near any positions in a football club. I'm not a big fan of the, the, the agency uh, business, the way it runs anyway. I mean, Brian Clough said back in his day there was only one uh, agent and that was James Bond. And he did with women what some agents do to uh, complete uh, football clubs. But um, I I don't, I mean, there there was an article in some of the uh, daily newspapers about this at Wolves, questioning the relationship that he has with the club and also the agents. The agency that uh, he's part of, and it's you know I, i'm not I'm not pointing any fingers or saying there's anything untoward happening, but it's always going to attract the attention of um is he working in the interests of a club or his um main paymasters. And uh, I, I personally think that nobody who is involved in the football agency business um, should be near a football club on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, sort of echoing what you said there, Andy, to be honest. Sort of I was uh, sort of when we were picking topics today, I sort of didn't know too much about George Mendes, um, sort of heard his name mentioned around, and it was quite interesting to sort of read up about him and, you know, see the situation at Wolves. Obviously, one of his clients is the manager there. Um, And then the the Chinese owners now who've bought out Wolves also have a stake in in Mendes's sort of agency. So it's definitely interesting. It does seem like there is, you know, a conflict of interest there. And I do think that, as you said, or as Simeon said, you know, these players that they are bringing in from Portugal, it's going to be interesting if... Say for example, they don't go up this season, and there's been all that money spent. Are they going to want to stick around? And then, sort of, you get to that stage. Then, if if he's involved and he is sort of acting as agents to these players, you know, what's what's his position going to be? Sort of come the summer if if they don't get up. It does seem like they are sort of spending, you know, sort of obscene amounts of money to get that instant success. And then, sort of, if they do get to the Premiership, can, can I just on, say, yeah. like, yeah,
2: say- Say there's a there's a young striker in Europe, and Wolves are interested in him, and uh, some of their rival teams at the top of the table are interested in him. Is he going to act? Um, is he is he is he going to act fairly, straight down the middle? Is he going to steer that player to Wolves, or is he going to think of his own pockets? You know, he's yeah. his own commission from the transfer, and and, and that's why I you know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of football agents as it is. Um, I, I I don't think the game actually needs them. In fact, a lot of agents are ex-players anyway. You know, if they can negotiate uh, deals on behalf of players, why couldn't they do it themselves when they were a player? You know, but uh, no, I, I, I think football agents should be nowhere near football teams on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there is obviously as we've said that conflict of interest and I think obviously not a huge fan of football agents myself um, their sort of primary job should be to advise players not be advising you know sort of the management and the owners of a club especially when the owners also have a share in in the agents sort of agency as well so it will be interesting you know if if they don't sort of get the success that they want this season, sort of what does happen over next summer, um especially with sort of the players being linked to his agency as well, is he going to be reluctant to sell them on, or you know it makes for sort of an interesting dynamic over sort of the next few months for wolves and it'll be interesting to see where it goes um sort of from from one Portuguese man now to another, and it's uh, Carlos Carvajal at Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously there's been a lot made about his future over sort of the last couple of weeks. They um had a difficult game this weekend where they got beat by Bolton and it was Bolton's first win in the season, so that sort of further piles the pressure on him. Um he's come close in the last couple of years to, you know, sort of getting him up. He's got them into the playoffs and he he's just fallen short. Um obviously Louis is sort of on this podcast as well and we've sort of heard his thoughts about Sort of Carlos Carvajal and how he, you know, should be given more time. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts and sort of with Carlos Carvajal, managers in general. Do you think there is that sort of expectancy of immediate success now, or should managers be given more time?
2: Well, we've got Sheffield Wednesday next uh, Saturday, so uh, (laughs) uh, if if they suffer a bad defeat at our place, maybe maybe the axe will. Uh, be be dropping on him. I mean, I said at the start of the season, um, I know a lot of the guys on the podcast had tip Sheffield Wednesday for automatic promotion, but they're just missing a little bit of something. Can't put my finger on it. I don't think Carlos can. But um, I don't know. I mean, unless they're dropping into the lower reaches and you can see no sign of them making a recovery and they're playing dreadful, I can understand um, that, it, that he's going to be shown the door. But uh, he has proven that he can get them competing for promotion. They've come close a couple of times, and uh, it can be foolish to uh, sack them, you know, at this stage of the season. A very difficult one, Um He's brought a few players in there, Uh, but uh, I I did uh, question him letting a player like Sam Winnell um, go out on loan to us, and he's taken Jacob Butterfield off of us. I thank him for doing that, by the way, because uh, Butterfield wasn't really giving us anything. But uh, I I think what what they've got to do is um, have a look at the next two or three games, um, they, they need to be starting to pick up a little you know, over the next two or three games, but uh, hopefully uh, it won't be on Saturday when we play them. But uh, What you've also got to bear in mind, though, is when you go into sack a manager, have you any idea of what you're looking for when you're bringing a manager in? Because quite often snap decisions are brought, uh, are made to bring in managers without sort of uh, knowing what you're going to want out of them. You know, there's there's the typical uh, management merry-go-round where uh, you you get certain uh, characters in it. They go to a club for a year, 18 months. They have a little bit of success. Then it drops off. They get sacked. They pick up another job. And uh, I think if the owner's there, if they're having doubts about Carlos now, they should be thinking about what sort of uh, character they're wanting to be bringing in. But uh, there you
0: go. Yeah, and the same to you, Simeon. Really, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on it. Um, sort of seeing on Twitter, there was sort of a little bit of pressure over uh, sort of Yapstan. Um, I don't know sort of how true that is. Sort of, it'd be nice to get the Reading perspective on that. Um, but yeah, your thoughts on Carlos Carvajal and then also sort of managers in general, should they be given more time?
1: I think it's way too early in the season at the moment to be talking about sacking someone who's taken Sheffield Wednesday to, I think, two um, playoff campaigns in the last two seasons. Uh, we're only about 12 games in and just looking at the table, if they'd beaten Bolton at the weekend, they would have been up in 7th or 8th. they They're In reality, they're in 12th, but one more win in its 7th or 8th. So it's just so tight at the moment, so one really bad result puts a lot more pressure on someone than... Uh, is perhaps fair, um, but looking at his record, being able to consistently take Sheffield Wednesday um, to, a, a, to the playoff semi-finals, even if they're uh, not winning those, we kind of uh, I think underestimate that. Considering how much success is coming from other teams, uh, and how some teams have had a lot of success one season and then collapse the next season, to be able to keep on doing that, I think deserves a lot more. Uh, respect than he perhaps gets, so give him a few more months. And if it's really clear that um, everything's going against him and he's losing momentum, he's losing the team and the fans, then yeah, think about sacking him. But I, I completely agree that they need to, the owners need to be uh, thinking long and hard about what kind of manager they want to bring in instead, um, because it's really easy to sack someone. It's a lot harder to um, bring in a the right choice who's going to build on what someone has already achieved Um, with regards to Yapstan there was a bit more pressure um, after the opening 10 or so games when we'd only won about two games but um, the win over Leeds has really eased that and hopefully if we can get a few more wins in the next couple of games then we'll go up the table and it should be fine
0: Yeah I completely agree with the two of you there as sort of again in, in terms of Sort of Sheffield Wednesday's owners needing uh, sort of a clear plan in mind. Um, I'm a big sort of advocate of giving managers time and and you know letting them build. Um, he's not been there sort of you know for five six years and and sort of not had any success. He he's gotten to the playoffs twice in the last two years, as Simeon mentioned. And it's you know it is a sort of a lottery in the playoffs. There's no guarantee with it um you can sort of play fantastically well all season and then sort of have an off week and it it, it undoes all that hard work that you've you've sort of done over the season um so i do think he should be given more time i think if they are gonna sort of ultimately get rid of him i think just before the the january transfer window would sort of probably be if they want to do it this season sort of the the time to do it um Mm -hmm you know, let a manager come in and sort of have a look at the squad and then maybe ring in a couple of players sort of with the way he wants to to play and that suit obviously the way that the owners want them to be playing. Um but I do think, you know, he's he's been given a sort of a fair an unfair amount of criticism so far this season as, as Simeon said, you know, there were one win off just been outside the playoffs. So it is too sort of early to be you know, writing him off and and calling for his head already. I think if you get to sort of Christmas time and, you know, they're down in sort of 13th, 14th, then maybe questions can start to be asked. But I do think at the moment it's far too early and it's uh, kind of lucky for them that they, uh, sort of there's an interesting sort of fact with Preston over the last couple of years. And I think, I should know the exact number, but I think six teams that we've beaten have ended up sacking their manager sort of after we've played them over the last two seasons and we've already got Harry Redknapp sort of ultimately sat this season. So we seem to be sort of the team you want to avoid if you're sort of under pressure managerially. But um you know, I, I do think he should be given more time and uh you know, review it again in sort of Christmas time January and see where they are then. Can I just make a point here? Because, I mean,
2: uh, prior to our game at the weekend uh, with Forest, um, the, the, there's a small minority in, in both camps here that uh, are very restless um, as regards to the managers and, and what progress they're making. Uh, in Forest's case, they, they've had five years of no stability whatsoever, uh, a trigger-happy Uh, chairman who is said to have actually interfered on the field. With ourselves, um, we've had so many seasons of playing in a certain style. Um, The chairman has made errors in the past, but we've now brought in a manager who's got a totally different game plan to those previously. With Steve McLaren, he got us into the 4-3-3 pretty football uh, we, we had appointments at Paul Clement uh, was basically trying to tweak what McLaren did uh, then we had Nigel Pearson who, uh, who came in he, he did try and change things but um, uh, the, the way he went about them was perhaps under question but what we've got now we've got Gary Rowett who, who went into Burton he went into Birmingham. He had lean spells at both those clubs. But when he finally got the side um, shaped to how he wanted it to play, it was a success. And I think uh, the Derby County fans have, have got to uh, see this and give Gary Rowe a free transfer windows minimum to uh, do the job because it is a different job. This is a different job to uh, what Steve McLaren um, had. It's a different to when Paul Clement came in. It's not tweaking. This is about changing things and the same at Forest as well um, that, that they've had various managers uh, the, he's been chopping and changing um, they've had transfer embargoes because of reckless spending so I mean a lot of the uh, previous managers to Warburton had their hands tied. Now Warburton's come in he, he did a, a good enough job when he's with Brentford, and I think their fans as well, I've, I've got to show a little bit of him, so uh, he he can build the team because uh, they're not a million miles off. They're very uh, very um, leaky in defence, but uh, a couple of signings, you know, and in this division you can be up there. But uh, that's
0: my that's my general opinion anyway. Yeah, I definitely agree that you know, sort of managers should be given time, and it was sort of a shame when Grayson left us in the summer but it seems that sort of recruitment wise we seem to have got it right and there was sort of that worry from me that because we're only a couple of weeks before the start of the season that we were you know just going to get anyone in for the sake of getting a manager in but you know thankfully even though it sort of happened quite quickly it seems that Alex Neal's really settled to life with Preston and you know we we seem to have got it right sort of on our end so will be interesting sort of as as we said to see how sort of Carver held does over the next few sort of months um and, you know, see where sort of Sheffield Wednesday are come. Sort of Christmas time. Um, just wanted to touch sort of last of all, uh, just you know, preview next weekend's games. Um, it's nice to be getting back into the swing of things again now after the international break. Um, start with you first, Simeon. Difficult looking game on paper going away to Sheffield United, who I don't think many people would have expected to, to start as well as they have as they have done. Um, are you hoping for sort of another sort of away performance similar to the Leeds game this weekend?
1: Yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, just really want an uh, organised, confident team to go up to Bramwell Lane and hopefully just get a point, to be honest, because they're flying at the moment. Um, and similar to Leeds, have made a really good start to the season and just need to be making sure that they don't quite uh, take their eye off the ball. Um, it's really tough to preview it, to be honest, because um, if you looked at the start of the season at a team that's just come up from League One, and have just kind of shot to the top of the table. It's hard to know how much staying power they've got, how much they're gonna, how long they're gonna stay at the top of the table, or maybe they'll just um, slide down after an initial um, burst. So, to, but despite that, I'll be happy with the point if we can go up there and uh, hopefully keep another clean sheet. That'd be excellent, just something to build on that uh, when it leads and prove that. It wasn't just a fluke, basically.
0: Yeah, I do think uh, it probably will, certainly will be a tricky game. They've really sort of turned it into a fortress there this season so far. And I think if they are to stay sort of near the top of the league, they need to be winning the home games. But, you know, hopefully for you, you can go there and sort of uh, build on that momentum that you've taken from the Leeds game. Um, Same to you uh, now, Andy. Um, as we mentioned you've got Sheffield Wednesday so both playing the Sheffield teams Um, you're at home though as opposed to away so how do you see the game going Um, I'm looking forward to it, Uh, they
2: always make plenty of noise their fans do Um, how how do we see? it, I I think we will win, Uh, I don't think it will be a very high scoring game Um, I can see us sneaking a 1-0 or a 2-1 win I think what Gary Rowell will do he'll see that um, They've, uh, they've had some uh, poor results lately and he, he will aim to capitalise on that, uh, get, get at them straight away and send them home miserable. Um, we, I think we beat them 2-0 two, two last year, but we were very, very lucky. We had uh, a couple of refereeing decisions uh, which went our way. But uh, I'm, I'm confident now that uh, Rowett, uh can get the get the lads pumped up ready and uh put more pressure
0: on poor old Carlos yeah i do think uh, sort of as you said it will be sort of a low scoring game and it it will be sort of interesting to see how the game plays out obviously they're coming on the the back of a defeat to bolton and you're coming sort of winning the sort of the game at the weekend so i think sort of momentum is definitely with you and it will be sort of interesting to see You know how much pressure is on Carlos Carval come the end of the 90 minutes. Um, Preston, though, we've got uh, another difficult away game. There's obviously no sort of easy games in this league, but we've sort of had a start from hell, really, which sort of makes the start we've had all the more better. Um, We're away at Wolves, who, you know, are flying at the top of the table at the moment. And I think it really sort of hits home how we could have done with holding on to that three points at Fulham if you'd have said, you know, Three points or one win out of these two away games, you know, you probably would have taken it Fulham and Wolves away. You know, both tricky places to go. But I think if we can uh, get another draw here, um, you know, I, I think I sort of wouldn't be too disappointed with that. Obviously, they're flying at the moment, and you know, we want to sort of stay up and around those playoff places. And it is so tight at the moment that you know, the odd point here and there, sort of at tricky away games like this, will sort of be crucial sort of come the end of the season so I I can see us sort of getting beat even though I shouldn't say that sort of I'll uh, get a lot of sort of um, abuse off other Preston fans who listen to this podcast but with the way we've played you know over the last few weeks playing people like Cardiff and Birmingham and getting great results against them there's no reason why we can't go to Wolves and get a point or possibly nick a win um, sort of, if, if I was going to make sort of a bold score prediction, I'd say we'll draw one all, um, but I do think it'll be sort of one of our most difficult games this season so far, so it will be interesting to see sort of how the game plays out, um, but with that we're out of time, um, if you two want to let everyone know where they can find you and sort of any work that you're involved in, that would be a good time
1: uh, I'm Simeon Pickup I'm on Twitter at uh, Bucks Royal, and I'm also editor of the Tarhurst End, uh, which is a Reading-focused uh, blog, uh, website, and podcast. and We cover all the all the news, lots of opinion and, and analysis, match previews, match reports, everything. So go check it out.
2: Andy Buckley-Taylor on Twitter, at BuckTaylor64, and a blog for the Derbyshire Times Group of Newspapers.
0: Yeah, and as I said at the start, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers. Uh, that's my Twitter. I also write for a Press and North End fan blog, which is at Deepdale Digest. Uh, and then something that I'm quite proud of over the last week, I managed to interview Colin Murray, who is the host of the, the Football League Highlight Show on Channel 5. And You can find that interview pinned at the top of my Twitter page, which is at underscore James Vickers. And it's also posted on the EPL Index Twitter page as well. So definitely give that a check out. And uh, and let me know what you think we sort of talk everything from the making of the football league show to covering his beloved liverpool and also how well northern ireland have done of getting to the the world cup playoff so it's uh, it's definitely worth a listen and, and let me know what you think of it um but yeah as i said we're out of time with that so thank you for joining me today guys and we'll see you soon